0: Welcome to Illusions. We are back on the island of Sodor because it's quarantine and what else is there to possibly do except listen to Thomas the Tank Engine, watch Thomas the Tank Engine, breathe Thomas the Tank Engine, read Thomas the Tank Engine.
1: Play Thomas the Tank Engine. Don't forget, play.
0: Yes, the chug life is all-encompassing and we're so excited to be here. I'm joined... Uh, as expected, as, uh, boy, it would be so controversial and horrible if we were to ever we do a Thomas Tank Engine show without the wonderful Terra Bell hi have you been doing?
1: Um, I am alive. I am well. I am less sore than the start of quarantine, which is probably a bad sign. Um, it's apparently a holiday weekend, but no one would know.
0: Yeah, that was, <laughs> we, uh, Tara says, "Oh, I have off," and it's like, "Great." What do we do? I, I guess we're podcasting because what what the hell else are we gonna yeah. do?
1: And it's my birthday this coming week, and it's like, "What do we do?"
0: Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> it's it's pretty horrible, but uh, quarantine
1: life. We're making do. We have Thomas. Thomas makes it better. It does. And this, I don't want to.
0: Uh, I don't want to label Thomas Percy and the Dragon as the best George Carlin tape just yet because Percy's Ghostly Trick is is really a really good one although it has won fewer episodes than this one so it's tough I don't want to Daisy's a really good one I don't which is next I don't want to say that it totally is but I mean this is a phenomenal phenomenal tape Mm -hmm. before we even jump into the episodes themselves and if you're listening for the first time, we follow the VHS release, the American VHS release. And that actually that actually really matters on this one for continuity. There's some interesting continuity things. And there's some continuity that's related to the way that we've, uh, some episodes we've done in the past. But this episode, this tape used to scare the absolute fucking shit out of me when I was little. I, as a, as a wee lass would call this episode, I would say, uh, not the dragon, I would mispronounce it as the dragon. yeah no. it's very scared, it's scary, I mean, the dragon as a child could be very traumatizing, as it was to Percy, I also kind of knew this tape as the twin tape, because while it is not the first appearance of Donald and Douglas, who in Thomas, you know, Donald's duck was in Thomas Gets Bumped, our previous tape, and yet this, uh, this tape clearly has Donald Douglas and the Deputation, also known as the Station, which is clearly meant to be their introduction episode. So that makes uh, basically no sense, but uh, we're just going to roll with it. So just for uh, the sort of technical spec, not technical, for continuity's sake, so three of these seven episodes were season three and the other four were season two. So for American and British listeners... Uh, That means that all of them, none of them have Ringo Starr recordings for the American version because Ringo Starr for the earlier tapes would do an American and a British with freight car and truck being, (laughs) yeah, kind of the the big difference. Uh,
1: Because we can't teach our American children British words. I actually, I got to say,
0: when I was in Australia doing study abroad in 2012, so like eight years ago. I mean the Thomas the Thomas fan base is hardcore. There's a reason we do these things. Uh, we would fight over do we watch the George Carlin or the Michael Angeli's uh, <laughs> version. They would get really angry. I'm like guys, George Carlin is a treasured like American comedian. Like it's it's hilarious that he does this. And I mean now it's even funnier that Alec Baldwin is also a narrator. So I mean people can argue over which is better, American or English, British. And I, I think it. Almost always boils down to what you grew up with. Michael and is a fine narrator, but uh, it's just funny. And it's funny that that this tape, with all its continuity errors, which we... There's a lot! And I guess maybe that's right. We'll talk about this a lot as the episodes go through. We do these uh, by VHS tape, really, for the most obvious reason. In the sense that uh, seven episodes is a uh, good amount to get through in a podcast episode. So... The runtime on this tape was 35 minutes, and it usually takes us about an hour 15 to get through all seven, so, uh, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Anyway, we will get started with the aforementioned dragon Thomas Percy and the dragon, which, speaking of continuity, this episode references Percy's ghostly trick, which we haven't done on the podcast yet, because that VHS tape hasn't been released yet, but... That's just kind of the way they do things. Uh, I think a lot of these episodes follow the Shining Time Station uh, airing order, and that show doesn't exist in England, so you guys are all deprived of the wonders of Didi Khan. i That always made my uh, grandparents, uh, they would always find it so fascinating that her career had plummeted to a state where uh, she was doing Shining Time Station. I actually watched an indie movie called uh, The Mimic, they asked me, the publicist asked me to do it, and D.D. Cohn was in, like, the first five minutes. I'm like, holy shit. Sadly, they offered me both stars of that movie for an interview on this podcast, and I said, no, I want D.D. Cohn, who was not available <laughs> for interviews, because she, actors need to, uh, generally only the leads get made available for press. So, there we go. Anyway, Thomas Percy and the Dragon starts off as basically a, Hey, Thomas, remember when? But if you're following the VHS releases, you wouldn't remember when because you didn't know the first time. So, but of course, dedicated Thomas fans, and of course even Terrible, everybody's seen Percy's Ghostly Trick. It's wonderful. It's It might be the single best episode of Thomas. Uh, the, as it relates to Thomas, it's, it's kind of like um, if you go with Gordon Takes a Dip and Down the Mine – Uh, Balance is a key on the island of Sodor. If you screw with somebody, you get what's coming to you eventually, as Percy was soon to find out. So, what's also interesting about this tape is, so the main action uh, revolves around Thomas going to the harbor late at night to pick up a special package. Now, as we saw with Thomas Gets Bumped, Thomas and Percy are very, very, very busy at night with the mail train. They're supposed to be and if if the mail train is even twenty minutes late, it could go away and a helicopter could be forced to deliver all the mail that was that was the plot of a previous episode, and yet, here we have Thomas, who's just free. He's free totally to deliver a dragon and Percy is not needed they, they the workers have gone home Percy is stuck on a siding because this the signals jammed life goes on even though the two key cogs of the mail train are both otherwise incapacitated otherwise incapacitated for the for the whole night do you think that makes a lot of sense tara
1: no it doesn't
0: no and it's it's I mean for con- it's funny cuz we have we have an episode these engines don't generally there are there are incidences that get mentioned like uh, in Donald Douglas the James and the Tar Cars James makes em- James and MS was mentioned sometimes continuity matters but um so we have Thomas going to pick up pick up the dragon who needs to be? I mean, it, it's helpful that they lit the dragon. You would think there'd be some kind of covering on the dragon, though, because hmm. Thomas, Thomas was pushing that dragon around for like a sea, day, yeah, a whole day, and it didn't get dirty. The and it's wind,
1: paper. This is in England, where like you've got sea air. First, like they were at the ports, you've got sea air, just general rain weather, misty weather. They're on that an thing island. would be dead.
0: Yeah. It doesn't get blown away. It's very sturdy, and they light it, so it's convenient. What also might be convenient if Thomas was pulling the train versus pushing it. Uh, he is a tank engine, so pushing and pulling uh, are are within the world of Thomas meant to be seen as kind of uh, interchangeable for a tank engine. <laughs> but it's still a little odd. And uh, Percy, I think probably Percy's cutest moment is when. Uh, Percy's driver is like, Oh, they'll have to fix it in the morning. And Percy's like, Where are you going? And he's like, Home for tea. And Percy's like, What the fuck, dude? He should have
1: brought tea back for poor Percy.
0: Do you think the driver should have spent the night with Percy?
1: Honestly, yeah. That's what you do. You go down with your ship.
0: Well, I mean, he's just kind of stuck on a siding. It is kind of sad as all the other engines are like, Bye, Percy. Have a good night. Have a good night on your siding. And he gets scared by an owl. And then there's a mysterious sound, and it's just a cute owl. But Percy's Percy's just going to keep his eyes shut until his driver comes home. That's kind of sad. We've got our poor, scared little Percy. And then he's woken up by Thomas and the dragon. Now, the, the weirdest part about this is just, just the camera angles. Because they show Thomas passing by Percy twice. And the second time that Thomas is passing Percy, there's clearly a platform in between the two, even though Percy's on a siding where there's absolutely no platform anywhere. So... And we don't tend to point out a lot of the goofs. You can go online and there's goofs listed everywhere. That one is, like, very, very, very obvious.
1: I will point out. It's funny that you say that we don't point out a lot because, it, to me, it seems like there are a lot that we still point out. I would love to know just how many there are all the time.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, if you go on, like, if you go on, like, the Thomas and Tankership wiki, each of these episodes, there's there's always, like, to... They, um... Well, there's a so there's a listed goof that says on the wiki that the dragon was said to be covered in lights, but it was actually lit up from hmm. uh, beneath. The steam vent mm-hmm. goes off too early when Thomas goes by. Okay. Um. Apparently, in the in the shot of with Henry James and Duck, Henry's front wheels are derailed and his brake pipe is off. Like this is stuff that I didn't notice, and we don't really mention. We these episodes would be triple the length that they hmm. are if we spent a lot of time doing. It. I like I like to talk more about narrative goofs or Mm -hmm. the savagery of these engines but uh the platform between thomas and percy as a child i remember that being something that i even then i was able to look at and sort of think to myself what the hell's up with that Mm -hmm. so thomas thomas scares him i mean if i'm on a siding and i'm woken up by a passing i was a little kid and i knew this was fake and i was still like oh my like just rampant anxiety At the dragon. It was dark. There aren't that many of these episodes that take place in the dark. And Train's probably the only one where it's not really eerie at night. Like, even the flying kipper, you've got the derailing. It's scary. Who cares? This is good cocoa. That kind of stuff. Yum. But, (laughs) so, Percy goes around. Nobody believes him. I mean, would you believe, Percy, if he's like,
1: I was on a siding and there was this
0: dragon that... Why
1: did no one else know about it?
0: That's a good point.
1: Like, these drivers gossip, the trains gossip, and no one knows that, one, there's this, like, parade festival happening with a giant Chinese paper dragon. And that Thomas has been driving it around all day. No one else told him.
0: Yeah, it's, it's... It's absurd.
1: And do they have like staff meetings with the drivers? Because this is something that the driver would have been able to tell Percy. Also,
0: that's a good question. Nobody believes him. Um, Thomas, though, is pushing the dragon around. Basically, a full day later, at, at least, yes. at least like sixteen hours later. Yes, for no reason. There's also so. <laughs> Something that's always bothered me, and when you when you bought the Thomas Percy and the Dragon, uh, like the the wooden trains, it comes with a flatbed in the front. I think it does. Maybe there's just another flatbed. And there's a flatbed that Thomas is pushing around at night. I later learned that that flatbed. Oh, and so the flatbed disappears. Something that's always always bothered me was when Thomas is pushing around the dragon. Uh, in the daytime there's no flatbed he's just pushing around the dragon by itself which seems kind of odd if you're like transporting carnival stuff that that dragon would be the single thing like it makes sense that there's something in front of it that's just like other things that the dragon needs not just like you have a tank engine pushing around a paper dragon for most of a day later learned that that flatbed that's in the shot is essentially holding a battery pack which is powering the light up of the dragon. So it's not there in the daytime because they don't need it. That's, that's, it's just absurd. I mean, that, that was something else that I picked up. I want, I always wanted to know where the hell the flatbed went when I was little. Like, why, why did Thomas, where did Thomas deliver this flatbed that the dragon didn't also get delivered? That really bothered me. But, uh, I actually really like the end of this episode where they talk about if we're not afraid to talk about when we're afraid, that means we're really brave. Now, you, the audience, I told you that as a child, this scared the shit out of me. I am very brave because I told you that. I just want you all to remember how brave I am. Do you think I'm brave, Tara? You are. Thank you. Anyway. Um... Do we have anything else to say about... I mean, this episode's hilarious. As the plot goes, it's basically settling the score of po- Percy's Ghostly Trick. Which Wooly Bear, which on the VHS of Percy's Ghostly Trick, also kind of does. So it's a little odd. We'll talk about the balance more of that. I think Percy's Ghostly Trick is two tapes away. So that'll be interesting to talk about. Um, Do you have anything else to say about Thomas Percy and the Dragon?
1: No. It was it was pretty... like. There wasn't much of a plot in it. It was cute.
0: I just like how the other... I would have loved to follow up where the other dragons... Where the other engines realized that there was, in fact, a dragon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He should have been vindicated.
0: Because he's like, no one believes me. And as he's saying that, Thomas is driving right under him with the dragon. That bothers me that he's just fooling around with the dragon constantly. Anyway. Donald and Douglas, which is clearly clearly takes place before this episode, <laughs> like you can just tell. There, So Donald and Douglas have numbers nine and ten, and we've noted. I, I've noted the value of the eight. I I'm not gonna go through them. Thomas through Duck with uh, Percy James Edward, uh, Henry Gordon, Toby. I've named eight. I think Thomas. There we go. Uh, So Donald Douglas are nine and ten, and they are in. Thomas goes. Thomas comes to breakfast, which is on Tens and Turntables, the second tape. And that that sequence. So like you need you need Donald Douglas to really understand the end of that episode, but then you also need that episode to understand Daisy, which is the next tape. So it doesn't make any sense that they're that far apart on the release schedule because Daisy is essentially a direct sequel to Thomas Comes to Breakfast. So, Donald Douglas is actually Donald Douglas is actually includes composite footage from this uh, from a canceled episode called The Missing Coach which was also used in Thomas Percy and the Cole and they feature some of the, like, the uh, the wide shot in it, which is um, Suttery Castle, I think is the, yeah, that's the name of, like, the sort of background, uh, the, the shot that. I think it's probably most apparent in the Tenders and Turntables uh, tape where you have uh, Thomas Percy and Edward running the main line and they're constantly going back and forth there. You don't tend to see those much past the second season. I don't think they, it's possible they don't even use this set uh, beyond that, but, um, I guess they use it, yeah, they use it much later, it's, it's a series two set, so that, that helps us, uh, to date the episode, um, and they're in the main shed, and, well, what also kind of dates the episode is a reference to the, the tar wagon, which, uh, in terms of episode order would have happened much sooner than, I mean, that, that, that's a pretty old episode by now on, on the tape releases, but but for the actual series release, it's uh, definitely interesting. So we have Donald and Douglas, who are brought. They're twins. Ta- Sir Dobbin had apparently didn't realize that when he placed the order for another engine, he was getting two. I mean, that seems like trains... Like, if you place an airline order for, a, a, like, a 747 jet, and then you you look out in your airport hangar and there's two. And then the the guy said, "Sorry, these were twins. We had to send them both." <laughs> little odd, little odd. And the notion of twins is also kind of odd because we have two sets of twins who both make their debut in this series. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I mean, do they have mothers? How are why how are they twins? I was wondering about that also. It's like were they just made in the same mold? But why? <laughs> I, I don't know how trains are made but if they are made from like molds or the same parts and everything wouldn't a lot of them end up looking like each other?
0: Well like Henry and Gordon look fairly similar there's mm-hmm. a f- some differences but they're mostly aesthetic they're, they like their, their wheels are basically identical um the tank engines all kind of look different besides Bill and Ben obviously but uh like like Duck and Thomas look similar but not not really. And Percy is a little smaller than them. Uh, James, James, and Edward are, are the same size, but their wheels. Uh, James has three big wheels, and Edward only has two. And, and and the interesting thing is that Donald and Douglas are kind of big tender engines with their with their wheels. Um, although they're kind of like they're they're clearly not as big. They're like bigger than bigger than G- Edward, but smaller than Gordon. And yet they're treated kind of as utility engines that help, uh, Edward's branch line is really not talked about all that much in, uh, the show. But Donald Douglas kind of split their time in the books helping out Edward's branch line. And we'll talk a little bit more about when a certain cult favorite makes his debut a little bit later. And Duck's branch line, which also has Oliver. So they're interesting, and, and they pull coaches, but they're kind of, uh, I think that word that uh, they used for James was mixed traffic, which uh, in our past episodes I've made a lot of fun about, uh, made a lot of fun of, and so this episode was called Break Van in England, which is interesting, because I think this episode really had to go out of its way to turn this scape to turn the spiteful brake van. He's called the spiteful break van. And not only this episode, either. He's called it In the Depot Station, as well. Yeah. James points out that spiteful brake van. The spiteful brake van is shown to take it. He, he has taken a disliking to Douglas. And things always go wrong when he's round. They don't go into... Like, what's going wrong? And how is it this brake van's fault? I mean, so... Donald gets really mad and says like something along George Carlin has a very I've thought a lot about the difference in George Carlin and Ringo Starr as it relates to this episode because the Scottish accent is just ridiculous um actually when we do Daisy we'll have to watch the the Ringo Starr version I want to see him do the feminine voice because George Carlin woo woo it's ridiculous it's really sexist so Donald says something along the lines of like spite doggy to you take that and just and he bumps him. So the driver has has Donald uh, be physically abusive toward the spiteful brake fan. What do you what do you what do you think about the way that that sequence played out?
1: These people just aren't nice to each other.
0: Oh, and the spite spiteful brake fan too, who's got like a sort of high pitched whiny. Yeah,
1: he's like you can't leave me behind. I'm essential essential services
0: yeah he's like you can't leave me it it, it is not at all clear how this spiteful brake fan is causing problems i I, and and we've Mm -hmm. seen a lot how the freight cars cause a lot of problems themselves by holding back or breaking off or causing a rampage they're pretty horrible
1: this guy he's just spiteful
0: he's spiteful and he's called the spiteful brake van. He also has a face. Most of these brake fans don't have faces. Toad has a, Toad the brake fan has a face, which is much wider than this guy. So the this spiteful brake fan just hates him. I also just want to know, like, the logistics of, okay, so the brake van is off by itself in the yard. Donald's like, oh, he's chilling by himself. We don't see a lot of brake fans just by themselves. So Donald has his driver go onto that line to yell at the brake van who's mm-hmm. screwing around with his brother. Uh, it's, it's it's a it, This is a fascinating sequence of events. This episode is, is full of fascinating things like the signal box. The rails are slippery, even though it hasn't been raining. And Donald crashes backwards into a signal box. I think one thing that's important to talk about... How fucked up is it that Sir Top Matt is like pitting them against each other?
1: Yes. I don't We're know. I'm just going to take one of you.
0: I'm just going to take one of you. You twins, I'm going to separate. How many narratives like, children's narratives, like, with adoption, like, oh, one child, One child's gonna be adopted. And they're like, no, you have to
1: adopt all of us.
0: (laughs) So like, one of you's gonna get scrapped. I'm gonna send one of you to be fucking killed, and I'm gonna keep the other one, and I'm gonna determine it, basically, by who screws up less. (laughs) And this fight... And and really, the most charming thing about it is, if these engines were survivalists, Donald would say, okay... The spiteful Brake van is screwing with my brother. I want to live. I'm gonna let the spiteful Brake van keep screwing with him. No, Donald loves his brother so much that he's like, "Yo, if you keep fucking around with Douglas, I'm I'm going to continue to be physically abusive with you." This is this is where we're at with. It's 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 th- these are very interesting character dynamics. In fact, if you couple this also with the depot station. The, uh, the the way that Percy and all the other engines are like, we can't let these people get killed, like the survivalists. Tara's right. These people are not nice to each other, but the complexity of the character dynamic— And we haven't even—we're not even done yet. So James is pissed after Donald crashes into the signal box because James has to do more of the goods work, which he's supposed to do because he's a mixed traffic engine. I also find it funny how the fat, uh, how, how, s- fat controller, how Sir Matt is like, oh, James isn't going to like having to help. Like, who the hell, since when has Sir Matt cared what James likes or dislikes? In fact, we've seen a few episodes centered around how little Sir Matt cares what James likes and dislikes. So, Douglas, Douglas is pretty sick of James's whining that, He has to do some of Donald's work saying, you know, remember your tar wagon, which was a great, 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 great episode. So they go to, um, and, and so James in this starts off being kind of mean. And then like, so the cars, the freight cars are playing tricks and he gets to Edward station where Douglas is hanging out in the Douglas is hanging out in Edward station where Edward is also hanging out. But Douglas is just on a random piece of line just in the middle of middle of the line just there for James to pull up to him and say, help me up the hill, please. These cars are playing tricks. I'm I didn't write that down. I'm pretty sure that's exactly the quote. So Douglas is there to help out. That's actually really Edwards job. That's why it's Edwards station. Like it's Later, it becomes part of Edward's branch line, but Edward is kind of at Edward's station to help people up Gordon's Hill. So, the freight cars, not the spiteful brake van, though the spiteful brake fan is there. The cars are playing tricks. We don't know if there's some kind of spiteful brake van freight car conspiracy, but there, something something is going on. And it's it could be the spiteful brake van's fault, but it could also be the freight cars. And James seems to think that it's the freight car, even though he really also doesn't like the spiteful brake van, as seen in the depot station. So they're going up the hill. Edwards basically out of steam, but Douglas, and this is something that is is we wonder about in other episodes. Like so, you've got a tender engine pushing. If the tender engine is pushing harder than the front tender engine is pulling, you get what we've seen, which is, wait for it, wait for it. The brake van is dead. The brake van was literally destroyed. They don't say it, but... You see it. It's, it's, there's beyond any...
1: His face was, like, on the side.
0: And it was, like, bruised, too. He's got kind of a... He's got kind of a black eye. It's absurd. It is... Totally... Totally absurd. You've got... Literally, the brake van is... Totally, totally dead. I... I don't even know what to say about it. Cause like, uh, with Diesel Does It Again, you do see the freight cars that go in the ocean pulled out. They don't look totally hurt. They're shown to not have drowned. But this is utterly absurd. I don't really know, uh And once again we have Sir Dopham Hat being like Douglas. Now you're the one who has to go. And Edward's like, kind Edward says, oh, not to mention the narration as we're looking at this dead break fan, this dismembered corpse, the narrator, whether it's Ringo or George, says no one was hurt. Yep. No one was hurt.
1: Except the spiteful break fan. spiteful brake fan. was van totaled.
0: Is totally dead beyond a shadow of doubt. So, uh, yeah, that's, um, and kind Edward is like, no stop, Matt, Douglas was grand, Edward was out of steam, I heard how hard he was working, which he totally didn't hear, let's be serious, he did not hear that from his station, and what's he doing at his station in the middle of the day, just sitting around, why wasn't he helping, if, if Edward had murdered the spiteful break fan, Douglas wouldn't, maybe Donald would have been sent back, because this, this even the score. Talk about sort of balance. Donald crashes into the signal box, and <laughs> Douglas murders the least liked brake van in Thomas Tank Engine history. I don't know. I guess maybe there was a brake van who died with the flying kipper, with Henry crashed into it. Who cares? This is good cocoa. <laughs> anyway, it. This is. uh, Yeah. This is a. I, I, mi- who is the scapegoat? Was Douglas the scapegoat or was the spiteful Brake Van? Who oh, was,
1: the Brake Van. Who was,
0: who was in the fault here? I just like. Where do we assign blame? You
1: have any idea where we assign blame here, Tara? I'm going with, like, probably the workers. <laughs> what did the It's work- the humans here. I mean. The Brake Van is dead. Yeah, nobody cares. I mean, who is it? And maybe even Sir Topham Hatt is at fault for, like, causing all of this competition between everyone.
0: And the anxiety.
1: Yeah. These things have anxiety, literally. Yeah, I mean, Sir Topham Hatt
0: does appear to kind of be going out of his way to to cause trouble, especially with, James won't like that. I'm going to send one of you away, and not only that, the other engines will hate you, Donald Douglas. You'll be alone and hated. Yeah. And we see kind of a, a difference for Topham Hat in the next step. So, with uh, the depot station, and this is a two-parter for all intents and purposes. So, when we go to the depot station, also, as Henry said, a desperation, which makes sense because when are these engines going to school? They don't learn. War- like, these are complex words. I, yeah, well, a five-year-old is not supposed to know what depot station means. And actually, honestly, the show doesn't really do a good job of explaining what deputation means either. Mm -hmm. A a deputation means when you go and talk to Sir Topham Hatt. That's what, uh... Yeah. Edward says we need uh, a a station. Of course, the question is, what is, uh, uh, desperation? It's when the engines tell Sir Topham Hatt that something's wrong. That's not what a station is. Maybe that is what a station is, but... we're going to stop saying deputation which which is your favorite deputation dep- desperation desperation okay that's that's interesting so the spiteful breakfast as we go on we remember okay so there's snow on the island of sodor now one thing that I have always wondered also... So you have Donald and Douglas with their snowplows. Now, Thomas is not wearing his snowplows. We all know he the snowplow gives Thomas dysphoria. He doesn't like it. But Donald and Douglas have their snowplows. And they're going backwards with... And there's a van that's in between them. I've always thought it's kind of ridiculous that they were paired back to back because... That means that one of them is not able to clear any snow when they're going. Like if you had both of them on on like next to each other, you could clear more snow. Tara had an alternative theory. Do you wanna share your theory?
1: Well, I thought that it would just make sense to have him from behind. I mean, like facing forward or not. I, I I think even if you had him facing forward, he wouldn't really be able to push much snow. You've got someone out front doing that already. I, I don't think it would do much. Also, if he was pushing snow from behind, it would get under the wheels of the people in front. So when I was like little playing with the trains inside Barnes & Noble, like you would have them going back to back so they can like pull each direction and they're facing on the outside. And if he just gets a better view of the route that way. Then he's not looking at this car's butt as he's driving. Those are just my thoughts.
0: Uh, you could be right. I, I'd actually never thought of that. So that that is interesting. Um, it is, uh, this episode always, so Henry gets stuck, and they say, don't worry, Henry, we'll get you out. Um, this plot line is very identical to Thomas and the Missing Christmas Tree, where Thomas with the Missing Christmas Tree also gets stuck under snow, and Don Douglas, who are apparently the designated snowplows of the island, and st- we don't see Gordon with a snowplow going around, uh. But we do see Donnan and Douglas, so they are just very similar plot lines. And so they rescue Henry. And the engines are looking glum because somebody's gonna get sent away. And we're time is time is ticking towards that. And they're sitting there, and James is mad also because uh, a lot of nonsense about a broken signal box, as Gordon said. That's spiteful break van, too, said James. These are not direct quotes, but that's basically the sequence. A little bit of paraphrasing. So, Percy decides that he's worried, and Percy Percy really steps up here. We don't see... Percy doesn't appear in the, other, the first episode with them. But he says, oh, shit, I'm going to go talk to Edward about this. And Edward is kind of like, not, you'd think that maybe Edward could go talk to Sir Tom Matt because he's old and wise and he's clearly a lot smarter than the other engines and yet Edward doesn't go talk to, Edward does not initiate the station. He tells Percy about the station, and then Percy goes back and Gordon hears this stuff and is basically like a person who pretends to know what, what, is going on, is like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Percy's right. And then his next move is to tell Percy that he should just, you know, go the whole 10 yards with this, and uh, he should be the one to go talk to Stratman. Basically, Percy could have done this more or less by himself with a minor, yes. minor assist from Edward, but nobody else does anything. And and it's, it's fascinating because, like, H- Henry's indebted to... Donald and Douglas, James James is less indebted, but like Douglas is in trouble because of James needing help of the hill. So, there, that's true. There is there is, and I, I'm not I'm not saying that James is in the wrong for not stepping up for the depot station, but <laughs> like he probably should have. Although maybe I mean Matt really hates James. I think I think if you ask Matt who is least favorite of the core eight or even the core 10 would be i think james would be the obvious pick just so many episodes revolve around the idea that strap matt is pissed at james because james like overextended himself because he was has a napoleon complex with regard to james does have a napoleon complex but it's usually toward gordon which we even see in time they make fun of that in time for trouble there was the one where james is going around lying saying that the cars are that the expresses for him and that Gordon, uh, Gordon has to pull a dirty freight train, and he's just saved because of that man who needs a ride is just standing around skeeving. He gets a nice letter, anyway. So Percy's got. I love you. So the the faces in this episode are kind of odd. They almost look kind of like computerized, especially in the Thomas yes. Percy and the Dragon episode. They looked a bit computerized. Uh but. Percy, I love Percy's smug look where he's kind of like his eyes are sort of uh, half open and they're looking to the side and he's looking very pleased with himself when he says, "What we need is uh, uh, a depot station." So Percy goes to talk to Sir on Top of Matt who's just kind of standing there and I think I think a lot of this episode revolves around Sir Top Matt really desperately trying to save face because. The engines, literally, they're all even Percy, who is not really all that affiliated with Donald Douglas. They're all scared shitless of the death of this engine, these engines, or one of them. And what's
1: also messed up is that he painted their numbers on already. He says, "I'm gonna get rid of one of you." Yeah, what's he gonna do? Get rid? He's painted
0: nine and ten on. If he sent Donald away, would he Don- Douglas become nine? Douglas says number ten. Pretty messed up. It's it's messed up. So. Sir mat as Percy's talking, he paused impressively, which just makes you wonder if the narrator is just like in Sir Drop Matt's pockets. I mean, he's a rich man. <laughs> who is who is framing this narrative? We talk a lot about how the narrative seems kind of oddly framed. So wonder what the drivers are what they're part of this like is percy's driver as invested or is he just doing this on percy's behalf i don't know and who's paying the therapy budget for these engines like so. wow. Well, yeah so and i guess also like the the this episode is kind of the narrative is in a lot of ways framed around the idea of like dealing with the fact that there was like trauma left over from the first episode which was like a cliffhanger of who's getting sent away. This is like the engines really desperately trying to save it. What I really hate is that, like, in some ways it makes sense that their fate is tied to their usefulness because these engines are there to work.
1: And they're also a team. Yeah,
0: the Steam Team. Tara didn't know that the Steam Team (laughs) was actually, like, an officially licensed, like, term for Thomas. They are
1: all in this together. Yeah.
0: So... It is tied to usefulness. But uh, Stratmat, he's kind of coy, and he says, you know, you should get a new coat of paint. And then they're like, does this mean? And Stratmat is, like, about to say, but they also start whistling. Which may have been like, oh, too late. You said they could say. Sorry, we're all Mm -hmm. cheering now. You can't go back on your word. Too late. Too late. I don't know. Like, if you tell a kid that they can get something, and there's no way you can say, oh, no, sorry. You gotta follow through. Anyway. Do you have anything else to say about this episode?
1: I think we've covered it. It's pretty messed up that Sir Topham Hat wanted to scrap them. All
0: right. I have horrible, like, Sophie's Choice type question just oh, opposed no. to Tara. If you had to send home one, which one would no. you send home? No.
1: No, you can't do that. <laughs> They're <Come on>. twins.
0: <laughs> which one would you send back?
1: Sir Topham Hat?
0: Interesting. <laughs>
1: Donald and Douglas are a pair. They can't be broken up.
0: I would probably send Douglas back if I just had to. <laughs> and I'm only supplying that as an answer because I posed the question. But Do- to me, Donald going to, like, abuse the brake van for screwing with his brother is, like, the key MVP move of this event. Like, like Doug- Douglas—and and Douglas, actually, to be fair, Douglas does make fun of James for whining and being like— a lot of a lot of stuff and nonsense about some tar wagons, like fuck you, James. So I don't know. It's an unfair question that I had to pose anyway, and I gave you an answer because I I have created this situation. So there we are. Anyway, time for trouble, which is a very adorable. This is not like a gr- when the- when I saw that this episode was on 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 the docket, I'm kind of like okay, maybe maybe. I mean this. This tape doesn't have a bad episode, but "Time for Trouble" is is probably the the week one of the seven, the weakest of the seven. It's not really. It's not a weak episode, but Toby, I, Toby is so great, and it's great. Like we haven't seen, we haven't gotten a Toby centric episode in a while. Aside from like he's a major character in, in the Mavis episodes, and he's he's kind of addicted to Mavis, so. Like he doesn't come out looking that great. This episode is just great, though, because Toby, Toby does nothing wrong. He's old and he needs to have his parts mended, and he's he's sad because he can't bring Henrietta with him to the works because Henrietta needs to uh do other things. And they're clearly, I guess, supposed to be on Thomas's branch line because they make a big deal about Toby being on the main line, and also. It is kind of odd that Percy takes over, is is looking after Henrietta, but Percy's just pulling a train that's just Henrietta. Like I Percy's Percy's got big jobs. He works in the harbor, he's not the mail train. Does he have time to just pull this single single you'd think that they would um you'd think and actually, speaking of that, this episode makes a big deal out of the fact that it's busier than ever. And there's more trains. So why is Percy just pulling a single coach at one point? That doesn't seem like a great use of a timetable that's already overloaded. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a strange situation. So little Toby, I mean, Toby's adorable. My grandmother, who is uh, deceased, loved uh, Edward and Toby. So I always smile when I, I love Edward and Toby centric episodes. They're the two old guard and they're just fun. And this is vulnerable. Toby, his water tank is, uh, is tough. He's small. He is small, but he's so cute. Uh, do you like mm-hmm. Toby?
1: I do. He's so sweet.
0: He is sweet. And so he's sat about Henrietta and he's going on the line. And unfortunately, the signalman is a giant douchebag. Who doesn't let Toby? Toby's thirsty, and he has a smaller water tank. Hey, nope, you
1: can't drink.
0: No, you can't have any water. You, you have to go. James is uh, pulling the express because uh, it's like really busy, and James has to uh, do Gordon's work because apparently Gordon was overworked. I don't know. This it is interesting to think about the the. Why this episode needed to emphasize the fact that it's busier than ever, and Gordon also simultaneously needs a break, so James has to pull the express. James pulls the express sometimes. That he's he's really the backup express person. Sometimes Henry. We've talked about this dynamic before. It's it's it's. I don't see why they needed to like have more trains, but then also you got Percy just pulling Henrietta by herself. Henrietta has no face, so just gonna mention that. So Toby gets stuck on the main line. And it could have totally been there could have been a serious accident, but Percy's just kinda of screwing around. It's kind of like Percy's just taking Henrietta around, like going to like some quiet part of the line, maybe doing some smooching in Henry's forest. I don't know. You think that's probably what he, Percy was doing with Henrietta? Possibly. Maybe we need to look into a meet me too allegations against Percy for the by Henrietta. Do you think that's probably likely?
1: Um That's that's pretty brutal. <laughs>
0: so james is in this episode to be a dick james is a dick i mean we haven't even gotten the edward exploit just savagery they're just mean uh, james james is in this episode to look bad he wants to be important and then he finds out that he has to push Toby and pull the express. Now, when Gordon pulls the express, it's three coaches. When James pulls it, it's two. Maybe that's why James gets his. No- Nate, James does occasionally pull. Um, James does occasionally uh, pull a three coach express. I'm just mentioning it because uh, it's certainly interesting. James has to, uh, which is an interesting situation where you got an engine that's out of steam and James has to push that and pull an express, but, I mean, that's the way it goes. It's better than dying. It is just funny that Toby is uh, stuck on the line and, and Percy, he's on the main line, and yet Percy is pulling Henrietta on the main line. I'm going to stop talking about how that's weird, but it's just, it's, it's just so, like... You don't see shots of Toby on the main line with Henrietta like that. Just, it doesn't make any sense that, like, this train would exist there. But, here we are, and James is there to be a douche to Toby, and then he's also just there to be a patsy for these children who are hanging out on the train Mm -hmm. platform. Like, these... Oh, you're so weak. Yeah, you're so weak you had to have Toby pull you, which is an obvious joke, but I just think of, like... So... I grew up, I grew up basically about a, a five-minute walk from our train station. Actually, when I was the age that I was watching this, I lit my grew up at my uh, grandparents' house, which was 10 houses down the street, which was a two-minute walk from there. Well, I spent a lot of time at a train station, long long story short. You don't need the history of my childhood. I used to love to go down and look at the, when when I took, when, when Tara and I went home to uh, see, uh, when we went to the East Coast to see my uh, childhood, uh, town where i grew up uh we took my dog for a walk to the train station to see them it's fun it's cute those trains don't have faces if those trains like talked and you could interact with them i would practically live at that train station i would think it's the coolest thing ever so i do probably buy the idea that the children find it funny or would tease the engines it's just it takes a certain high level of creativity to note that these children were aware of when the express was arriving. It's it's a, it's a very complex joke to be mocking James because he needed a train t- tram engine to help him. I don't know. Do you think that was you think that was funny?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Do
0: you have anything else to say about this episode?
1: Um, me sad. Poor Toby. He got his he got his parts mended. Mm-hmm.
0: you sound so sad so we move on to a very silly episode of scarf for percy percy wanted a do you think percy wanted a scarf when he was dreaming of the scarf and it's got like the glowy picture and he's got that nice blue and white scarf wrapped around him Mm -hmm. how adorable he looked he did look adorable. but it
1: also looks like like old time like dentist um like if you got like teeth removed or something they would have like basically a scarf head wrap thing like that like Keeping your jaw closed—that is what he looked like.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. That's uh, you are not wrong. <laughs> so, Thomas and Percy—I don't know. So, it's, like, when you arrive in a sh- like, if it's that cold, we assume they sl- were sleeping when the show was closed, and yet. This episode, they're cold and stuff because they're sort of ha- the sh- their shed doors open and they're half outside waiting for fire or lighter. So it doesn't make a ton of sense that somebody woke them up, moved them like basically three feet outside the shed and then left them to freeze. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if 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 they were asleep in the warm shed, like why do they have why could, why can't they be why can't they be woke? Like none of that makes any sense. Why can't they be? Why can't Firelighter come when they're still inside? Why yeah. do, and how if Firelighter hasn't come? How do they get halfway out out the shed, or like really a quarter of a way out the shed? So that's kind of stupid. So they're trying to talk about something besides the cold, which leads Percy to talk about scarves, which is pretty hilarious. Also, talk about I mean. Aside from the intricacy of the the beauty of the sets, like, this isn't really a high-budget production in terms of, like, special effects. And yet, so Stratop Matt is in his house, and you can see the steam from his hot porridge, which I think is... Really? I mean, wait till we get to James Goes Buzz Buzz and we actually get actual CGI. We get actual animation in there. Not the... I don't want to say CGI too much, because everybody hates the CGI era, don't we? Don't we know it? There's the Great Western way, and there's the wrong way. Don't we know it? So, Percy goes around all day. Oh, well, there's a big event at the... There's important visitors, and Sir Matt needs his finest... Uh, he needs his finest trousers. They're so fine, in fact, that he won't be wearing them to normal work. He'll change into them later. And they're in a trunk... he's only going to put them on when he has to take photographs. Do you think Sir Top Matt is a vain man? Yes. Do you think that's because he's like a solid like two feet shorter than his wife?
1: I mean, it's it's a low bar, literally because he's already a short man. Actually,
0: I mean, he is called the stout gentleman in Toby's first episode. (laughs) So, Percy's... Percy's just spending all day thinking about scarves and Percy doesn't want to... Percy thinks it's ridiculous. Engines don't wear scarves and Percy just looks at him and says, you don't want a scarf because your funnel is so small. I think Freud and phallus, phallic imagery there. I don't know. That's some uh, interesting stuff. And Henry gets all mad because Percy says he's got a small penis. Again, I have a scarf. <laughs> And Percy gets to pull the special train, which is odd, because if we think about special train depth chart... I mean, maybe Percy was just the one available, but you think Thomas would probably be the one pulling the special train. Not Percy, who's literally being cheeky and is screwing around. It's also really unclear why his driver... I mean, his, his driver doesn't... The, the steam doesn't get shut off. And they do note that. You got these two porters who are pulling this like trunk with all their clothes over the rails how quiet could an engine possibly be that the porter wouldn't hear them
1: maybe it's like a hybrid engine
0: and they're both it's not a hybrid engine it's literally a steam <laughs> engine that's totally not true so and even it like if it was a silent diesel you would still hear the music playing
1: um, da-dum, da-dum.
0: per diesel so. Percy crashes into the, uh... Crashes into the coaches. Uh, no. So Percy wants to startle the coaches. Which is... Oh, really obnoxious. And the porters don't hear him and the driver doesn't see it. Uh, this And not to mention, when Percy crashes into the porters' stuff... Like, it's right in front of the station. Like... It begs the question how the stuff would have gotten onto the station, like, lifted, lifted up. Like, it's in a uh, totally unbelievably complex spot that Percy hits them. It's almost, like, not even Percy's fault. And yet it, he's blamed for it. And Jam goes everywhere, and Sir Topham slacks, form an actual scarf around Percy. And Sir Topham hat lands, lands on his lamppost, which Sir Topham then goes up to him and says, MINE! In, like, a really obnoxious method the whole thing is kind of obnoxious do you think percy was at fault here
1: no i don't think the trains are really ever at fault especially like with this like the poor guy just wanted a scarf
0: (laughs) okay i was talking why does percy pull the special train henry pulls the special train percy was getting the coaches which makes a lot more sense i because i have in my notes that henry felt sorry for percy after he had gotten to pull the train but uh, Percy gets all jammed, and... uh <laughs> Matt has to pay for all of their damaged clothes, because jam goes everywhere. Whoa! Why was the jam... This is not his fault. ...in with the poor... Ice? This whole thing, it This is a very silly episode. And yet, I mean, it's pretty cute. It's pretty cute. I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about this episode?
1: I mean, he did look... I mean, kind of cute with the poor pants around him in the jam,
0: do you think he should get a you think he should get a scarf of his own,
1: sure, oh, and let's not forget that he got a good rub down.
0: He did get a good rub down, yeah, it's uh I do like how the narration said that the uh trousers were coiled lovingly around him.
1: Mm-hmm. The adverbs
0: in this narration are just uh. Very, um, They're bizarrely just specific about this stuff. Coiled lovingly. Anyway. Doesn't make any sense. Okay. On to... So we had two sets of twins who were announced. In the first, we had Donald Douglas introduced. Now we have Bill and Ben. So, like Mavis, Bill and Ben are not... Really, the property is of Sir Topham Hatt. They work for the China Clay Company. And yet, I mean, that distinction is definitely way less significant than uh, Mavis, who is is supposed to have uh, a specific other manager, and Bill and Ben are kind of under the control of uh, Boko and Edward. So, we see the old cars that they're pulling around that look a lot like the ones that Diesel totally destroyed in uh, Diesel's Devious Deed, maybe? I think that could be the episode. Uh, the first of the Duck Diesel trilogy, which is definitely not Pop Goes the Diesel. Maybe it is Pop Goes the Diesel. Yeah, it is Pop Goes the Diesel. There we go. So, I'm glad, we, I'm glad I worked through that one, because I don't want to get comments. Oh, you got it wrong. Not that I think anybody would do that. So... We meet Bill and Ben, who are just kind of tank engines who are, they love to screw around, and uh, they find that their China Clay cars are missing, and there's a patch of oil on the ground, and they realize that there is a diseasel. And, I mean, a diseasel is an unfair term, but the, the di- diesels in within the context of the show are treated essentially as diseases. They're mm. in negative context. It's very hard so they're worried that and actually um ben worries that bill has coronavirus with his cough that Mm -hmm. summoned the diseasal so (laughs) coughs and sneezes spread diseasals so they're arguing over who did it and the drivers come up with a great plan to get their missing (laughs) freight cars back by removing their names and uh The show says removing their numbers, uh, Bill and Ben don't have numbers, because they're not owned by Sir Drop Matt, so that doesn't make any sense. So, they do have names, though, and, uh, they go in the yard, which is not really a place where they belong, and, uh, they're there to, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of offensive that the drivers are spreading, uh, diesel, uh, prejudice that um, that they're uh, just crafting this this ridiculous plan to be totally mean to a poor diesel they're spreading diesel prejudice it's just wrong do you think do you think it's fair that they're doing this to the poor guy?
1: I mean thinking of the Diesels that we've met so far they're not always the best but it's really prejudicial. It's it's not nice, but is it unwarranted? Yes. Yes, it is.
0: <laughs> so they go around. They presumably have no other job to do. The driver... I always love it when the driver is, like, very clearly, explicitly to blame for the shenanigans because sometimes, sometimes it doesn't make any sense how these engines are just going around like Donald abusing the spiteful brake fan but here the driver is totally to blame and literally they're screwing around edward arrives and says why are you playing here bill and bill and ben why are you playing here but the driver as you watch bill and ben going back and forth on Boko's sides spreading insults and often just not saying anything at all screwing around with this poor diesel it is important to remember their drivers are totally to blame there it's 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 absolutely absurd. I just like I don't understand why that needed to happen. What what did you think as they were doing that? Doing what? When they were going around back and forth. Uh,
1: oh, messing with him. <gasps> he should have realized that obviously there are two people here.
0: How is that explained from a driver's perspective, though?
1: Oh, that's a good point.
0: How is the driver? constantly allowing that kind of behavior.
1: Clearly, they have nothing else better to do. Or maybe he justified it. Like, I guess the two drivers justified it because it was all in service to get their china clay back.
0: And how unorganized is this railway that they have They took the
1: wrong cars.
0: I mean, like, the resolution of this episode is in some ways kind of unclear because um, it doesn't make any sense that they have no idea where it went. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not even like they totally care by the end of it because everybody is so wowed. They're like, "This diesel stole our cars," and Edward goes, "No, this engine is a Metropolitan Vickers Diesel Electric Type 2. While the score is going dun 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 dun, and no child will ever er, er, no no child could ever repeat Metropolitan Vickers Diesel Electric Type Two. Or, nobody knows what that means. They just say, ah, oh, this one is special. And this is... Boko is like the first Diesel introduced... I mean, he is introduced as like as an antagonist, as the Diesel, And yet, at the same time, it's totally not his fault. So, that's kind of interesting. Boko is a really beloved cult figure. For good reason. I mean, he's... So Oliver is Duck's number two on his branch line. Boko is basically Edward's number two on his branch line. Boko does occasionally pull the Express. I think the book says that. We don't ever see that. And Boko... Boko really gets the short end of the stick in terms of... he He's only a main character... He's not a main character ever, but he's only really in... A small chunk of the George Carlin era. And then by the time Alec Baldwin comes along... I mean, he he, he hasn't been seen on the show in like... Like, 12 or maybe long... He, he hasn't been seen on the show in well over a decade. And even, like, characters like Duck are featured every once in a while, or Edward. Uh, I don't know that much about the CGI era, but... I'm part of enough Thomas Dankengin, uh groups to know that... Everybody gets really upset at how Boko is uh, treated. It's a great introduction, though. It's a lot of fun. I... It's absurd... It's also, I mean, this episode does try to bite off a lot with Bill and Ben being introduced and Boko being introduced. Did you, at times, Tara, did you feel like you were overwhelmed with how much they were trying to do?
1: (laughs) Not overwhelmed, but it's funny that they just tried to introduce two sets of twins and a new diesel.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there is a, so this would be season three. Oh, no, this is season two. This is not that long after Donald and Douglas are introduced. So, yeah, it is odd that we're getting two sets of twins introduced immediately. The Bill and Ben episodes can be kind of silly. And, on like, Donald and Douglas have a pretty good relationship. And they also get, like, Donald's duck is is a different up. Ep- like, Donald and Douglas get featured in, D- Douglas goes to rescue Oliver, not Donald. Like, they get episodes where they're apart from each other. Bill and Ben are just really a package deal. And Edward gets a good one in this. He gets to kind of play elder statesman. The Edward Boko Bill dynamic we see in a few episodes. That's really uh, a lot of fun. And I'm uh, glad we got to Boko. I really, I really like Boko. And Boko plays a big role in our in our next episode. We've got uh, Edward's exploit, which is Edward's best episode. Let's like everybody. Let's get that clear. It is uh, a really fun episode where the engines. So there's like this group, this really important group that get to just travel around. They get a special tour. They get a brake van special. But uh, Birdie, Birdie gives them a tour, and then Edward is supposed to take them to Bill and Ben at the China Clay Works. It is kind of odd. So there's a, it's a three coach train, sort of small Annie and Clarabel type coaches. Edward's having trouble with it. What's also just kind of odd is that you've got You've got Duck, Boko, Gordon James and Henry are all at the station with Edward. They're all at Knapford for some reason. It doesn't make a ton of sense. It's uh like where what are they doing? I don't know. It's uh it's a mess. <laughs> What did you think of when Gordon, James, and Henry were all just being, like... Gordon says that Edward should be preserved before it's too late. He's too old. He should be retired.
1: It was sad. These people are so mean.
0: They are. They're just so... He's trying to do his job. He's had... Like, he's clearly having trouble pulling... Like, he's... He's... He's puffy. He's blushing. He's red-faced as he's just
1: starting... Trying to get started.
0: Yeah. And he's... I mean, Edward is kind of the elder statesman. Here, he's just kind of like nobody wants to help nobody wants to and you got you've got you got bogo and duck where it's basically like yo guys eat shit edward's worth more than all of you it's like the end of the great gatsby where nick carraway says to gatsby you're worth the whole lot of them that's like uh with edward and maybe maybe if you had read gatsby already and you're watching this for the first time you might think that Edward was gonna die at the end of this episode (laughs) He does take on a, a lot, so he goes to uh, he goes to the China Clay Works. To here's what doesn't make sense. We know that we know that these visitors don't have all their luggage because they need to be brought back to the station. So it doesn't really make sense that it be brought with them with Edward. And yet. So this heavy train that has three full coaches that Edward struggles to pull, and we've seen Edward pull pull coaches. Edward's a tough guy. He's struggling to do that, and yet all of these passengers fit into two brake vans. They all fit into the two brake vans that Bill and Ben take around. So how heavy could Edward's train have been? These are questions that we need to think about, people. Do you have do you have any expl- Do you think that's a big plot hole, Tara? Yeah, it's uh, it's a mess. So Edward, so Bill and Ben, uh, Bill and Ben have their day pulling them around to the brick van, and the weather gets bad. And Edward's sanding gear isn't working. We don't hear that really ever before. Uh, so his firemen has to stand on the front of edward in the rain like totally dangerous and drop sand in front of them i mean i could just like if this was live action you'd have tom cruise uh, uh, <laughs> hanging on the front of edward pouring in the sand it's pretty brutal so edward's wheels are slipping and there is uh his crank pin brakes so they have to remove his side po- side rods which means getting started is, is a challenge for edward and it's it's actually at this point not raining anymore as you can see mm-hmm. and they have to um it's a very interesting uh situation because you've got to uh the heavy coaches edward's having trouble starting them because he doesn't have the side rods to uh maximize the wheels he's he's literally spinning his wheels quite literally that in fact, that metaphor, when you're spinning your wheels, comes specifically from the Edwards exploit episode. That's where that whole metaphor was made. No, that's not true. But <laughs> let us pretend, for the sake of the chug life, that it was. So the passengers are getting anxious, and they say to Edward, "You, uh, will will loosen the coach because at this point, Edward still can't get the train started. So they loosen the couplings." They don't use coil and a leather bootlace like with James. They say, well, loosen the couplings so you can uh, use the momentum. You can basically do it like you're doing with freight cars. One coach will help the other. And Edward uh, Edward manages to get that through. And, I mean, the tension, the dramatic tension as this old engine is, is uh, fighting the elements. He's fighting technology. He's fighting with sand. He's fighting the rails. I mean, he Edward is a warrior. And Sir John Matt is pissed when he gets back because it's late, but the, the passengers are cheering because they know. They know what a challenge this exploit was. It's it's remarkable. It really is. It's just uh, it's uh, Edward is battered, weary, and unbeaten as he gets back. That's what the narrator says. It's pretty remarkable. And Bogo did a great job. Yeah, and Bogo is in the shed, which he rarely is, and he's making. He and Duck are making sure that uh, nobody. That nobody was. Um, that nobody was talking smack to poor Edward. There is something. There is a piece of trivia that I would note. Um, so this is a season two episode yes i've mentioned in the past there are the orange coaches that look like annie and Clarabelle that aren't um annie and Clarabelle, but they're used this episode is the last time in the entire series that they are used so i won't be able to say that anymore how's that oh they're kind of cute you'd see them a lot james and edward would often uh pull them I don't think it's possible that hen i think henry may have in the early ones but they also have those smaller sort of greenish uh trains that that edward would use so um that's kind of cool yeah this is a fun episode did you like edward's
1: exploit Mm -hmm. he did a great job
0: yeah and it's nice to see that edward um edward's kind of the elder statesman a lot of the time he's there to uh He's, he's there to offer advice or to put Bill and Ben in their place or to teach Percy words he can understand. But he doesn't, like, get to be, like, the main action a lot. So this was always, like, really a really a fun way to see Edward in his element. Being a warrior. I mean, this isn't... Oh, I call this the best Edward episode. Is Old Iron a better episode? Where he has to track James down with the... With the, with the, with the coil of, uh... With the noose of, of iron coil. And the old iron. Edward, Edward, for some reason, is has to catch up to James. Yeah, I don't know. Old iron, Edward exploit. That's a tough one. I like this one. It's a great episode. And
1: it's great to see Boko. It's a, uh...
0: It's a, it's a fun, it's a fun, uh... It's definitely, it's great to see. And it's also, it's great when they talk about the logistics, like uh the side rods are not really mentioned all that often so you get to uh get to learn a little bit about trains so that's uh it's probably a good place to start let uh, <laughs> probably a good place to stop unless you have uh anything else you wanted to mention tara
1: well i thought it was interesting that Boko, who is just introduced is like sleeping in the shit already and like friends with everyone
0: yeah i mean some of that has to do with the way the episodes are ordered but uh, uh it's odd, but um, you know, Boco, Boco's fun. We'll enjoy Boco while he lasts, cause he does not last that long. That's for <laughs> sure. By the time we see like Scarloey and Reneus and all of them, Boco's mm-hmm. basically totally out of the plot line. But uh, he's a good. When I think of like the George Carlin era, I think of like I think of Boco a lot. He was like the Boco. He basically has the bulk of the Boco tapes, or Michael. Well, Michael is the narrator for a lot longer than any of them, so. You wouldn't necessarily associate him with one era, but it's a good place to stop. And uh, because it's coronavirus, we will be continuing fast. We have Daisy up next. Boy, Boko gets introduced with such a great, uh, such a great, great introduction. Metropolitan Vicar.
1: Oh, such a long name. They're all impressed by his name.
0: Yeah. Well, Daisy. Uh, the sexism of Daisy, that's gonna take up a lot of the next episode. I can't wait for that. It's so bad. It's so bad. Woo woo Anyway. Well uh thank you thank you so much for watching and listening. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next time.